remember, and we're going to have a business meeting and a time of prayer and, and go home uh, rejoicing. Amen. And um, uh, just to, to kind of talk about some things for this year, to take care of a few uh, things that got to get taken care of. All right. Um, then as well, though, on Sunday, January the 31st, that evening is going to be a great night. And I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to have Lord's Supper that night first. All right. So come that night. We're going to have Lord's Supper service uh, for the first portion. Then after that, we're going to dunk a few people. All right. We're going to get to baptize some folks. So if you yourself need to be baptized or someone uh, here today and you've got questions about being baptized, what that means, what it looks like, if you can be baptized and all that stuff, come see me, all right? You've gotten from now until January 31st at 6.30, okay? And even then, we might be able to squeeze you in, all right? Uh, the water will still be wet for anybody, amen? But um, come and see me, and I'd love to get you scheduled and to be able to talk with you and to be able to answer any questions. Um, but uh, be praying for these things. Be praying for the Lord to use us as we're beginning this new year with from the business meeting to the baptisms and and, and beyond. Um, do want to point you to this, and I'll point you to it later. Y'all look around, y'all see these new, brand new banners? Oh, half of you didn't even see them, right? <laughs> didn't even know. Um, but anyways, those banners are there. Um, these are our new banners, and we're going to uh, deal with that over the next few weeks. But these each represent uh, the four pillars of our church as, as our vision statement, okay? Worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. These are what we stand on, right? These are how we know Christ and make him known in our community, okay? That, that's, that's the goal. And so we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks, but um, make sure you look at them, tur- turn around, you know, look, see the verses and all that stuff, and you'll be able to see what I'm going to be preaching on the next few weeks, okay? So you can figure out if you want to come or not. Hopefully you do. Uh, but uh, we want to see um, God move during this time. And we want God to empower us and to encourage us and to prepare us for the future. I believe God has great things in store. And uh, so let's go ahead this morning. And let's pray and ask for God's blessing. And then we're going to worship the Lord. And I hope that's exactly why you're here today. And so let's sing out with our voices and let's sing out from our hearts this morning. Uh, but let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. I want to thank you for each one that's here. We're grateful for another day of life. Lord, your, your goodness and your faithfulness has uh, shown forth today already. And Lord, you've answered prayer this week. God, you've shown your goodness throughout the, the safety that we've had this week and so many things. We do lift up those who couldn't make it today, Lord. We've got many who are maybe out sick or, or those who are traveling and things. We do pray that you would be with them, meet their needs. God, I pray that today that you would be with the songs and the singers and, and Lord, that you would bless them, encourage them, use them, but help all of us today, God, to be worshipers, Lord, from our hearts first. And Lord, that we might sing forth your praises, God. You alone are worthy of praise. So, Lord, help us to sing and to live and to speak. Uh, and to, to worship you in all things today, God. And Lord, today to prepare our hearts as well for the message to come. God, that you would uh, speak to us through your spirit, through your word. And Lord, that you would change us today, God. Lord, that we would not leave here today the same as we came in. Lord, that we would lay aside any burdens or cares or concerns at your feet today, Lord, not to pick them back up again. As well, God, as we might be encouraged today, convicted today if we need that. Lord, whatever the need of every heart in here today, God, I pray that you would meet that need. And that today, through all things, that you would get the glory. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're able, please stand as we sing our first song, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first
Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 5.12. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. We crown you now with many crowns, you reign victorious. Second Corinthians 5 8 says, We are willing, and this is so true, we are willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. I long to be present with my Lord in heaven forever and ever and ever. Amen. I fly away 779. Some glad morning when this life is over. Just a few more weary days 
we seated, let's turn around, left, look left, look right, look ahead, look back, and wave and smile and welcome everyone, especially if you see a visitor. Speak to them and welcome them. All right, now you may be seated. After you've done all that, that was a big job, wasn't it? We have some special music now by Larry Davis and Wayne Ross. Always look forward to hearing them. Y'all come on. Sing as unto the Lord. How about an old song for the new year? Praising Jesus never gets old. much to thank him for. Amen. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer now and thank him for a few things. Actually, thank him for everything. But we don't have the time <clears throat> today to thank him for everything. That would take quite a while, wouldn't it? But join with me in prayer as we go to our Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Even thank you for the cold weather you created and we praise you for it. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your house and worship you, assemble together as you instructed us to, and Lord, uh, to edify the name of Jesus, to lift up the name of Jesus in song, in praise, and in preaching, and in the music 
Lord, we just uh, ask you to help us uh, worship you in spirit and truth here today. And Lord, uh, help us to preach your word. Help our pastor. Lord, give him liberty and boldness, clarity of thought, clarity of speech, and help him to preach the message that you give him. And Lord, help us to have ears to hear and be attentive unto the message here today and your word. And uh, beyond that, Lord, help us to be obedient to your word. Lord, we'll praise you and thank you for all that you accomplished here today and everything that we say and do and sing and play is for your honor and for your glory because you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And if you're able, please stand and we will sing as the deer panted for the water. Psalm 42.1 says, As the heart after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God, as the deer. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth important part of our service is preaching so give our pastor a nice hand amen well this morning any children ages four to six can be dismissed for children's church ages four to six children's church can be dismissed this morning all right well, take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 4, verse 24 this morning. The Gospel of John, chapter number 4, verse number 24. We're going to read today verse 19 uh, down a little ways, but um, our focus today is going to be, as I said, the, these, these banners and looking at these key verses of what these stand for, what they're about, and I'll get into that in just a moment, but I want us to read God's Word John chapter 4, verse number 19 says, first of all, just to help you with a little bit of background, and we'll get into that as well, but this is dealing with the woman at the well. Most of you guys, if you've been in church longer than, I don't know, a minute or two, you've probably heard about the woman at the well. We're going to look at her life today and a little bit of what that looks like and, and the impact that Christ made there that day at the well, that she drinks of this living water and she becomes a true worshiper. Today... May we do the same and drink from the living water of Christ and truly worship Him. Verse 19 tells us, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Uh, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We worship... That we know what we worship for salvations of the Jews. 
For the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank You for the songs that have been sung this morning, Lord, for the worship that has already been lifted. But God, I pray that now the worship would only just begin. God, that worship would not end as preaching begins, but rather that as Your Word and Your truth is proclaimed, God, that our hearts would be filled and would praise You for who You are and for what You've done for us. God, I pray that You would help my heart and my mind today, God, to preach boldly and accurately according to Your Word. God, that You would fill not just me this morning, but fill this place, fill each one of us with Your Spirit. God, that we would be drawn together in unity and that we would be drawn uh, in worship to You and of You, Lord. God, I pray that You would keep us now, Lord, keep your hands upon us, Lord, meet with us, and Lord, have your will in your way today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be dealing with genuine worship. Not just worship, I'm not here to tell you and give you a lecture about it, you know, what definition it is to worship or how to worship, how not to worship, those things. We'll get into a little bit about that, but there is truly a key that we're going to deal with, and that is what genuine worship is. If you missed last Sunday night, last Sunday was our mission or vision Sunday, and we introduced that night. Two things. First of all, our mission statement, which is our purpose, if you will. This is the end-all, be-all of who we are, what we do, what we're about. This is what it all boils down to. And our mission statement here is to know Christ and make Him known. That's it. It's plain, as simple as can be, but yet it is perhaps the most difficult and profound thing to try to do in our Christian life. To know Christ and then to make Him known. But as well, on top of that, we added our vision statement, which it's not the purpose, but it's rather the the plan behind the purpose. It's how we seek to know Christ and to make Him known. And so the statement is as follows. Victor Way strives to be a unified body of believers who daily seek to glorify God in our community through genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. And in case you cannot hear me, you can look around and see this is our vision. This is it. It is to, to know Christ, to make Him known, but how we do that is going to be through genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach in our community. Not just bringing them here and not just expecting pastor or deacon or Sunday school teacher or anything like that to do it, but if each of us as individuals, and it must be each of us as individuals, to take this seriously, to take what God has called us to do seriously. And I believe the first thing that we must personally take to our hearts today is the worship of God. I'm afraid we, we have many churches who have met, and many churches including our own today, who have sung, and, and, and there's many other churches who have spent more time singing today than preaching, and you can have your arguments all day, all you want. I'm not here to do that today. But I do know this, that there is much singing and much events and things taking place in churches, but yet in the midst of all that, there is little to no worship. Worship is not something that happens because a few people stand up here with microphones and use their talents and gifts and, and lead us singing. Singing does not equal worship. If you sing this morning, even the loudest and the purtiest, don't mean it's worship. But if your heart was full of the grace and goodness of God and realized the truth of who God was and you sang and it was a bunch of caterwauling, but it came from your heart, Praise God, that's worship. And we'll take that any day. And so will God. Because I want you to know that what you do, what you say, how you sing, and all these things, it's not about the person to your right and to your left. It is about the worship of God and God alone. We must be genuine in our worship. First of all, before we deal with this, worship and genuine worship does not just take place in these walls. As a matter of fact, for the most part, the average person here today, and it's quite all right, mind you, you will be here on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, maybe midweek. And if that's the only time that you worship, then I would not call you a true worshiper, and I don't believe that God would either. True worship does not just happen in here. Matter of fact, this is just a small portion. If this was a pie chart, it'd be about that much. But you're going to spend far more time on your sofa, at work, in school, with family, with friends, in the world, you'll probably spend more time at Walmart this week than you might in these walls. And you are called to do your worship out there long before you do it in here because if you're not worshiping God out there, you ain't going to worship God in here. 
And if your heart's not right out there, it ain't going to matter what it's like in here. Matter of fact, when we gather here, it's to prepare us to then go and to worship Him out there, to know Christ in these walls so we would make Him known outside of these walls and inside of our homes that need it even more so than anything else today. A.W. Tozer writes, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. There have been a myriad of worship wars in our churches. There's a million different views on worship, even in this church, because I've had y'all talk to me or at least talk about it to each other, and I hear about it, right? <laughs> we got eyes and ears everywhere. <laughs> and guess what? Everyone's got their opinion about if the hymn book should be used or if, the, or if it should be right up there. We, hey, we got it up there and on your hymn book. So if you want to use a hymn book, use a hymn book. If you want to look at the screen, look at the screen. But by the way, it don't matter if you pick up that hymn book. If your heart's not in it, then you're not worshiping God anymore because you're holding a book or not. I love hymn books. I love hymns. But guess what? If your heart's not right, it's not worship. If your heart is not in it, all you're doing is going through the motions and you might stand there with a hymn book open and have the biggest Schofield Bible in all the land and look around and judge everybody else. But if your heart's not right and your heart is not focused and lifted up to God, then you have not worshipped and to worship is not just the first part of our vision or what Pastor Joe wants for the church. It's not about what I want. It's about what God would have. And God has made you and me to be worshipers first. We will not reach a single lost soul unless we have first lifted our heart to God. We will not have an ounce or a moment of fellowship. I don't care how much fried chicken you put in front of us if we have not first worshiped God. We will not be disciples of Christ, nor will we make a single disciple in this place or in our homes if we have not first taken our heart to worship God. There are many who say, well, I just like the upbeat stuff. If you can't worship to what we just worship to, it's not about the word, style, or any of those things. It's about your heart. If you can't worship to the hymn book or with the hymn book, and you can only do, I've got to have guitar, I've got to have a drum, or I've got to have a fog machine, then you're limiting worship based upon what you want. And vice versa, mind you. We can be guilty on both sides of this by we tell God how we're going to worship Him. And I want to go ahead and get this out the way. We don't tell God how we worship Him. He tells us how we worship Him. And here the key verse that it's up here. You might not be able to see it because of glare. John 4, 24. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. And if that's not you this morning, if that's not your heart this morning, then today it can be, and we're going to see how, okay? We need real worship. I'm afraid that there are plenty of churches who go through the motion, and maybe even plenty of believers today, or maybe even plenty of people at least today, maybe even in this church, who what we just did for the past 20 minutes was just go through the motions. And now you're just waiting for the polite time for when I'm done and the last song gets sung for you to sneak out the door and get out of here. I don't know about you. I don't always do this right, and I wish I could, and I wish I did, but I want to come and worship God. And I want to be filled so that my cup does run over so that when I'm home and when I'm alone and come this afternoon when I go, man, I laid an egg this morning just like last one, just like last one, just like last one, the Lord goes, hey, look, hey, you're running over, bud. There's some worship that can still take place come Sunday afternoon. There's still worship in your heart that's ready come Monday morning when the boss gets on your nerves or your car don't want to crank. That worship can still happen, not because the right song or the right style or the right person leading it or, or any of those factors. Worship does not happen just because me or JL or anybody else up here for that matter is all good and, and leads us in this. No, no, we're, we're called to lead you in worship. But you can take a horse to water and if he don't drink, he don't drink. And if your heart's not prepared to worship before those back doors, before you shake somebody's hand, come sit down, come get alone for a moment. There's plenty of space in this, in this whole church. We've got a whole back half and even getting used. And go get your heart ready for worship. If not, don't sing one word. Do not offer God one ounce of worship that is not from your heart, lest you find yourself to be committing idolatry. You might say that's harsh or too far. I want you to know, false worship is idolatry. 
God took it very serious, and I believe we should as well. Now here, I want to give us, first of all, the opinion of worship. Not my opinion. God's opinion. Verse 19 and 22, though, show us sort of this twofold of worship of opinions about this, and there's still millions of opinions, and I hope today that your opinion and mine both get thrown in the garbage bin. And I hope our opinion of worship becomes God's words on worship. <clears throat> Verse 19 to 22 are going to give us here this whole thing about uh, these opinions between the Jews and the Samaritans about this. Now, first of all, to help you give this context of this conversation with this woman at the well, Jesus is at Jacob's well in Samaria. This is a divine purpose in passing through, which the Jews would normally try to avoid. He said he must needs go through Samaria. You know why? Because he must needs go through it. One, geographically, they should have been traveling through it, but the Jews and the Samaritans had much against each other. If you want to talk about prejudice, they were prejudiced, right? They were prejudiced against each other, races against each other. They hated each other, despised each other. As a matter of fact, later on, when Jesus goes to talk about some of these parables and things, when he talks about the good Samaritan, what you and I don't understand is that literally in the crowd, they probably would have been going, what? Say it ain't so, Jesus. The Samaritan helped out, not the, not the religious elite, Jewish person, but the, that dirty, rotten Samaritan was the helper, was the good guy? Are you crazy? See, here Jesus must needs go through because praise the Lord Jesus Christ that He can and does use anybody and that the Gospel is for everybody. Jesus recognizes this and goes to this woman at the well. The woman at the well, she, we're told about her. We know some about historically what she would have been like. She goes to get water at high noon. All the other ladies don't. They go when it's cool in the day. And they go together, mind you. She goes by herself a reason. Because as we're going to find throughout this conversation, as you read this chapter, we find that this woman is sinful just like everybody else. We find that she is an adulteress. That she's, she's got more marriages than she's got since. She's got one guy she's living with, and, and she ain't married with him, and, and it's still called shacking up. Right? It's still not biblical. And, and Jesus, mind you, doesn't start off by going, hey, you sinful, wretched woman, come in here at noon with all by yourself because nobody likes you because you're all dirty and filthy, rotten, sinner, scum. No. Instead, he sits by and he says, let's have a drink. Let's get some water. You look thirsty, and I know I'm thirsty. Would you give me a drink? He leads into talking about something far greater to this thirsty, sinful woman. She's a Samaritan. They're not supposed to even have any dealings together. She's an outcast of her own society. She's an outcast of outcasts. But then Jesus does something remarkable. She says, I can give you something to drink. He says, I tell you what, I can give you a drink. She says, well, you ain't got a bucket. And this well's pretty deep. It's been here since our father Jacob. He, he dug this thing. And he says, no, you don't understand. He says, I'm offering you living water. He says, whosoever drinketh of old Jacob's water, he's going to thirst again. He says, come back tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. When you come back, you're going to have to come back tomorrow and get water again. Same with those other ladies every day. He says, but you come and you get this water that I got. will never thirst again. He says, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That sounds good, doesn't it? There's nothing sweeter. There's nothing more satisfying than that. But the conversation shifts after he does say, go call thy husband. Jesus already knows she ain't got no husband right now. And he's, matter of fact, he says, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that says thou truly. Verse 19 the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She changed the subject. She goes, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. She changed it to the worship war. She changed it, deflects it from her sin, and now goes, Well, let's talk about our differences here. Let's talk about how we got difference of views here. Let's talk about how we're, we're both different. Let me tell you about my opinion here. Since you're a prophet and you seem spiritual, let's have this talk. Now, the Samaritans, their opinion of worship differed from the Jews. First of all, the Samaritans, they only accepted the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then they rejected the rest of the Old Testament, which is all the prophets, all the poetry. Now, that's a dangerous game to play right there. All right? However, there are many today 
who will take what they want of Scripture and they'll say, well, the rest isn't for us, or the rest is this, or I only like this part, I only like Paul's part, I only like the red words that Jesus said. You know the reason why they're red? Because when we printed the Bibles, we made them red. <laughs> All right? They weren't written in red ink. Paul didn't sit down, and John didn't sit down and write red with red ink. He go, oh, Jesus, get ready to talk to me. Switch my ink over here, right? Thanks, Holy Spirit, for telling me that. He didn't do that. All right? So, so it's not about this. It's not about what you want. So the Samaritans, though, they had this issue where they said, we only take the first five books and everything else, we don't need that. We only got, got the first five, that's it. Furthermore, though, they also believed that in this mountain, which the mountain is Mount Gerizim, they believed that to be the place of worship. Now, this was an important mountain. This is the place where Abraham built an altar when he first entered the promised land in Genesis 12. This is a place where blessings were announced to Israel when they first entered the promised land. Several times it's seen in Deuteronomy 11 and 27. The issue here, though, is that these poor Samaritans have good hearts, the bad doctrine. Which, a good heart, but bad doctrine, is still idolatry and improper worship. Their heart is there. Their emotions are there. They say, this mountain's where we worship God. We got our five books, and you Jews, you, you got your stuff in Jerusalem, but we're taking our stand here. This is how worship's supposed to be done. This mountain, these books, and that's it. And they're convinced. They believe their heart is in the right place, but yet they're missing a whole lot else of the Bible and what God says and how God has revealed Himself. These are the folks that today that we would call all emotion, but no truth behind it. They've got all the hype, all the heart, but they've got empty brains. Their heart is in it, their emotions are in it, they've got their tinglys and, and they're swinging from chandeliers and they're running up and down aisles, but they don't know nothing about God. You can have all the emotion you want, but if you don't know the truth of Scripture, if you don't know the truth of God, nor do you accept all of it, then it don't matter how fast you run an aisle or how high you swing from a chandelier or how loud you shout in a church service. It's not real worship. It's idolatry. However, the Jews' opinion from one ditch to another ditch, and it's very easy to do that. Jerusalem is the place where God is to be worshipped, in their opinion, specifically where God... Uh, gives his presence in the temple. Now they're about right. And this is seen throughout the entire Old Testament, which they accept the entire Old Testament. They got good doctrine, but they got a prideful heart. They got a bad heart. Now you can have all the knowledge and all the doctrine here, but if your heart's not there, then it's still not worship. You just know more facts about God than the other person. Both are missing God by that much and don't even know it. The Samaritan is missing God here. So they've got the emotions in the heart, but they don't actually have it all together. And then the Jew on this side has a head full, but a wicked, stone-filled, cold, dead heart that hates everybody else. It's not just like them. And the Samaritan feels the same way. And I would say these Samaritans and these Jews sound an awful lot like Baptists in 2022. Especially for the past 80 years or so, mind you. Worship wars, the fighting, the arguing, and guess what? Both are almost right, but not quite right. And if they were right, they'd be so prideful about it that they wouldn't be right no more. See, they have a good doctrine, but a bad heart, which is still improper worship. So who's right? Both are halfway right. Both are halfway wrong. Both are missing what true worship is because of their opinion, because of their traditions, because of their preferences. Sad. We have the same issues today. You see, she says, we believe this, you believe that. <coughs> Here's what Jesus says. Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews and salvation of the Jews, but not to the Jews only. Salvation is of the Jews because Jesus was a Jew. But Jesus laid down his life, not just for the Jews, but as well to every single soul who would repent and believe on him. And today, that is the living water that Jesus is offering to this woman. That is the living water that's offered to you today to turn from your sin and to trust in Christ alone. Don't put your hope on your good works. Don't put your hope on all your emotionalism like the Samaritan. Don't put your hope in all your uh, good knowledge and doctrinal morality that you've got like the Jew. But rather, find yourself 
not in that ditch or this ditch, but grabbing to the feet of Jesus and drinking from the living water and be refreshed and renewed. Be actually born again and truly know what it means to worship God. Now, it does not mean that we always try to find the middle ground because there's sometimes you can't. But I want you to know the Jew in that day was in that ditch and the Samaritan was in the other ditch. And right there in the middle, Jesus is saying, if you'd get out the ditch and just come to me, you would drink and never thirst again. I believe the reason why A.W. Tozer is able to say that there's plenty of people who will sing and be bored, well, are bored. I've heard Christians who know Christ say, you know, preaching's boring. Yeah, it's boring to lost people. I've heard it said, well, hymns or the slow, maybe not even the hymns, they'll just say the slow songs are boring. It's boring because your heart is not turned to God, it's turned to how you want to feel. The worst thing that we can do before we sing and as we sing is like a concert. How y'all feel out there? It don't matter how I feel. It matters what we know about God. It matters what we know about Him. And that determines how we should feel. If I determine what I know about God based upon what I feel, then most days I've got nothing good to say because I'm a miserable wretch. My flesh is weak. My life goes awry and astray. And so therefore my mind would go, well, this just is not working out. But if we have our emotions not be based upon our fleshly feelings, but on doctrinal facts about who God is, then we will be rejuvenated. We will have joy. We will have peace. We will have the emotions drawn up that will make us raise our hand or maybe even shout, maybe even shed a tear or two, maybe even have some response because the truth of God should bring about a response and if it doesn't, then your heart needs to be born again. So who's right here? See, Barclay says false worship is selective, ignorant, and superstitious. It's selective because it decides what portion of Scripture it will only use and what it won't use, what kind of this it will use and what it won't use it's selective it misses god by a whole lot and it misses a whole lot of the blessings of god the second it is ignorant false worship is ignorant because it it's either just billowing off of emotions in the heart or and got an empty brain or it's got all brain and no heart which is just as ignorant but an ignorant in a different way and then it's superstitious it's the traditions of man if i had a dollar for every time i heard someone say the old paths or the old ways or the old time religion. What is it? Tell me when, when that is. Can't. We don't have it. You say, well, let's sing the old songs. Well, y'all know that Great Is Thy Faithfulness is less than 100 years old. Y'all know half the songs we sing and love and call the old songs are less, uh, are younger than you are? <laughs> Praise God for that, right? And you know that every single song we sing in our hymn book at one point in time was a contemporary song? Now, you, you tell me to stop when it hurts. But that's the truth, isn't it? You see, guess what? It don't matter when that song was written. What matters is, does it have me stirred in my heart and spirit and in truth that allows me to worship God? Not because uh, it's done by a guitar or a piano or an organ or, or, or even uh, all a cappella, that my heart is stirred because of the Spirit of God and the truth of God that is presented and at work. So, your opinion of worship and my opinion of worship does not matter. It must be God's. Because secondly, verse 23 and 24 tell us the object of worship. That's the key here, isn't it? The key is Christ. You can have a beautiful song, but if it does not communicate Biblically, the doctrine of Christ, if it does not lift him, His name up, if it does not magnify or glorify Him, then toss it out. But you can have the, the right hymn and still miss Christ by not promoting and by not glorifying and honoring Him. So let's keep that mindful. It must be Christ. Now here's what Jesus says. He says the time is now. He says the hour cometh and is both now. But the hour cometh and now is, in verse 23, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. One day, each one of us are going to be dead. Like D-E-A-D, right? Dead, right? Making sure here, right? Dead. And they're going to have a little 
thing in the newspaper or online. They're going to have a little thing at, at their service and it's going to tell all about your life and stuff. And, and people are going to come and they're going to take... And, and by the way, I don't care who it is, when they die, everybody always says the same thing. They were such a good person. They were so kind. They loved their family. They loved this. They loved that. And that's all great. But guess what? It's, they say about it. I wonder if they would say, in fact, let's not say they. I wonder if your kids would say, oh, the dad was a worshiper. They might share good stories about what it was like growing up and to have you as a father, but would they say, oh, man, he was a worshiper? Oh, man, mom, she couldn't sing a lick, but she'd do dishes and she'd sing Amazing Grace like I never heard it. Good, bad, and ugly. They taught me what it meant to worship. We can teach our kids and our grandkids a multitude of things and give them a multitude of memories, but if we don't teach them to worship, then we've missed everything. And if you and I do every single program that there is, if you and I run 14 buses and have the, every pew full to the max and looking at building another place, but we don't worship, then it's nothing. We must worship. Jesus says the time is now to worship God and to do so genuinely. True worshipers, not fake, not going through the motions, not just um, um, right, not just kind of mumbling along. If your heart is right with God, it shouldn't take much pride to get you to sing about it. If your heart is right before God and you know who God is and you love God and there's a genuine relationship with God, it's not going to take much for you to actually sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. It's already there in your heart. Worship must happen, though, on God's terms and His conditions, or else it does become idolatry. And I'm afraid that your little heart and mine, too, that is already a factory of, of idols, that we already, though, have that issue. But when we come into church and we do so ingenuinely and we do so seeking to what we can get out of it, I want you to know, church is not about you or me. It's about God. Worship is not about if, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't get anything out of today as much. Songs were slow. The preaching was, <laughs> right? I just, I just, I'm not getting nothing out of it. You ain't going to get a thing out of it unless your heart comes before God asking God for something. You and I are, are even worse than this woman at the well. And it's high noon in our day and age and in our homes. And we're, it's dry. And we're thirsty. And we keep coming back. And we keep having ingenuine, insincere, going through the emotion kind of worship. And we wonder why when we leave church we're not changed. We don't feel filled up and rejoicing. It's because we keep coming to the well and we're drawing from our own self to see what we can get and we're drinking Jacob's well and we're not drinking the living water that is true, genuine worship of Christ and Christ alone. This is God's greatest desire and design for all people. A true worshiper is a true worshiper because he has tasted that living water and he wants to glorify God because of it. God and God alone. The who, what, and why, and how are much more important than the where and the when. I've seen more worship take place in living rooms and hospital beds than in most church services. I've had more church service, if you will, at, at a funeral or at the loss of a loved one, the loss of life in the darkest of days than inside these walls. Worship is not dictated based upon where we are. But it is dictated upon what God says and where our heart is in relation to Him. Your preference or opinion of worship does not matter if the object of your heart is not genuinely glorifying Christ. By the way, worship is a total submission of one's entire being. So you cannot say in a worship service that you worship God if you came here and you half-heartedly sang you half-heartedly greeted your neighbor, you half-heartedly prayed because you peeked around, or you checked your watch or your cell phone during the prayer just because you're going, oh man, this story is a long prayer. It's half-hearted. Half-heart is no heart. We need desperately genuine worship again. And by the way, 
we need to be careful and not go, all these other churches, bless God, need real worship. The only place real worship happens is here. Baloney. It's the soul that says that that has yet to worship God. It's a soul that says that that does not know what it means to totally submit their heart because you know what worship is? At its real and very literal meaning is to put your face in the dirt. The word, the, the, the word at the beginning of what the Greek word is here for worshiper is pros. It's the idea of face-to-face or a, a toward, a, a humility. That, that we're, we're down. It, in order to worship God, we must decrease so that He must increase we must have our faces lowered so that he would be lifted higher i I want you to know that the the deeper your theology and the deeper your doctrine the the higher your worship should be if we don't know god we won't worship him you don't know anything about him you've got nothing to praise him for this is why we must absolutely know doctrine. No, doctrine is not boring. Doctrine drives me when I know, when I see God's goodness and His mercy and the way He's revealed Himself and I see His Word and I see all these things. You know what it should make us want to do? It should make us want to bow before Him and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. To totally surrender our everything to Him. Let me ask you, why do you come to church? Why do you come to 1030 worship service? That's what it's called. You come because it's what you're supposed to do. You come because of who some, somebody's here. That You come to worship. Does it matter what we do here? Can we do whatever we want? The answer is no. It, it, first, yes, it matters what we do here. No, we cannot do what we want. All must be done by God, through God, to God. Church is not about you and it's most certainly not about this preacher. It's about him. Third, find obedience of worship. He says, not just in verse 23, that they shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And by the way, he's seeking that today. In verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship is a must. It's non-negotiable. Right? Worship is not something that you go, well, you know, my prayer life is great, and I read my Bible all the time. Have you worshipped the Lord? You can read the Bible once a day and still never worship God. You can lift up many a, a Hail Mary sort of prayer and never worship God. You can give all the money in your bank account and still not actually worship God. You can do many things and still not bring worship to God. Worship comes from a heart of faith and belief and trust and surrender to God. But he says you must worship. It is both our obligation and opportunity to worship. It is not, and by the way, church is not this sort of obligation. I don't want to obligate anybody to come here. If you come here out of obligation, then come and realize this. It's not about you being obligated to come because you never should feel that way. If you feel obligated, don't come. But if you find the opportunity, then come. Because what Jesus is doing here today is the same that he's doing there at that well with that woman. And he says to all who are thirsty, to all who are the outcasts, to all who need help, to all who need uh, uh, living water, come and drink. That's what this is about. It's an opportunity to be reunited and revived by God through the worship of him in spirit and in truth. You were created to worship, but yet we get to worship God because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. When's the last time you didn't say, oh, why can't I, I got to go to church? We don't got to do nothing. We get to do something. We don't got to sing. We get to sing. We don't got to serve. We get to serve. We don't got to give. We get to give. We don't got to listen to Pastor Joe. We get to. Because it's not about me. Any old idiot up here could do this. This is about the Word of God. We get to hear the Word of God and we should be chomping at the bit for it. Because our, our, our souls should be entirely given to wanting God more, to know Him so that we can make Him known. Now, if that's not our heart, our heart must change. <coughs> he says, they that worship Him must worship Him. And then He gives us the specifics. First of all, in spirit. As one commentator puts it, this is the fullness of the supernatural life we enjoy. Genuine inward faith that comes from being 
born again. Unless you have the Spirit of God inside of you, you will not worship in spirit. And by the way, worshiping in spirit is not being slain by the Spirit. That's a bunch of baloney hogwash. Being in the Spirit does not mean that you get to run around and all this stuff. Sometimes it happens. Praise God. If one of you gets a wild hair and gets excited one day, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might just shout too. Praise God for it. I hope to see the day. But you know something? You know this? In spirit is not just that we get all spiritual, because there's an awful lot of fake spiritualness in this world. But in spirit means that the Spirit of God, much like John the Baptist in the womb, who goes, hey, Jesus, Lord, and starts doing somersaults in there. Why? Because we have experienced the Spirit of God. And the Spirit is inside of us. Therefore, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are His children. And therefore, we worship Him in spirit. That your worship, and not just mine, should be Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, and done by the power of the Spirit. Lest it's all in vain. Lest it's all the Samaritan emotionalism. On the other side, though, he says we must worship in truth. The same commentator writes, this is God's incarnate self-expression, Christ Jesus Himself, through whom God's person and will are fully and ultimately disclosed. The truth is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by me. You want to worship God? Look to Jesus. Look to His Word. This is where you're going to find the truth. Anybody can uh, be up here and, and flap their jaws, but unless it is this book, then it don't matter. It's just jaw flapping. We need the truth of God's Word because when I hear that there is living water to drink and that my soul can drink if I simply turn and trust Christ daily and I look to Him that He fills me up and that there is this now everlasting life and this springing up into everlasting life, this, this well of living water, you know what it does? It causes us to want to worship God. At least it should. For the real believer it does. The truth of God is not boring, but rather it empowers and fills our spirit. And it gives us the tingly sometimes. It makes us raise our hands sometimes. It makes us cry sometimes. It makes us just even say a prayer of, well, thank you, Lord. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Because the truth has unchanged us. Now, you can have all truth like the Jew over here and still not have the Spirit. And you can have the Spirit all you want. And it's not the real Spirit, by the way. And not have any truth and still have no real worship going on. And if we want genuine worship, it must be in Spirit and in truth. That the Word of God drives us and fills us and makes our insides leap, if you will, with joy at the fact that we can worship God at His worth through His grace because of His goodness. Worship must be biblical and must be balanced. All emotion, but no where false truth is false worship. All truth, but no genuine heart, felt faith is false worship. Now this brings us to the end, the outcome of worship. We don't just come to a worship service to then go home. We come to be changed, to encounter God. Worship leads us to know Christ and to make Him known. Look at verse 25. It says, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, because they're over here in that ditch still. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot, which is the whole reason why she was there to begin with, was to go get water. And says, she went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out of the city and came unto him. Worship is so that we would know Christ and then go make him known. That's what worship should do. Worship should stir us up, not just to sing and to worship God here, but it should cause us to worship at home with our families. It should cause us to worship in our cars, worship at our jobs, worship when things are good, worship when things are bad. It should cause us to, to not just know Him ourselves so that we glorify Him and worship Him, but that we go make Him known. We don't know who those men are. Very well, it could have been her ex-husbands for all we know. 
It could have been anybody. It could have been the man she was shacked up with. But we do know this. She goes and she tells some folks, come and see and meet the Messiah. Is there anything greater that worship can do than to send us out? <coughs> Genuine worshiping Jesus through spirit and in truth will change us from the inside out. You cannot experience God nor his word and not be changed. A pastor friend of mine, he served on the board at the Bible college I attended, Cletus Titus, posted this. His own words, mind you, so Cletus, thanks, brother. The measure of our worship is not how loud you shout or how high you jump at church service, but how straight you walk when your feet leave the building. The outcome of worship is that we are changed from the inside out and it shows to this lost and dying world. The greatest testimony that you can ever have in your home, in your families, in your workplace is a heart that worships God everywhere. Is a heart that seeks to know Him and make Him known. I believe that God has incredible things in store for this church, incredible things for every individual truly here. I'm not talking about monetarily or physically speaking necessarily, but I'm talking about spiritual things. And it's all found right here. Coming to the well that never runs dry. The well that is the grace of living water found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this today as we bring this to a close. Are you living as a true worshiper? Did you, if you were to honestly, honestly, humbly look at your heart today, the way you sang, the way you greeted folks, the way you're going to leave this place? Was it done as a true worshiper? How about when you go home? Husbands, fathers, will you lead your family in worship at home before you lead them here? The greatest example that they've got to worship is not me and it's not anybody else. It's you, mom and dad. So worship the Lord in your home. And worship the Lord together in your home. Furthermore, how about your own heart? Is it genuine today before the Lord? Or are you just going through the motions, just trying to get by? Let me ask you, are you worshiping God on your terms, through your traditions, through your preferences? Or are you worshiping Him how it's supposed to be done? which is in spirit and truth. Today, may each of us come to Christ, the living water, and genuinely give worship to God in spirit and in truth. Let's all stand this morning. As this piano is about to play, and as it does play, if you have a need today, first, if you need to be saved, come and be saved. I, I can't get you saved. I can't make you saved today. Right now, all you must do is to simply turn from your sins and ask Jesus to save you. Come and drink of this living water and never thirst again. But to you, dear believer, who needs help, who needs assurance, who needs strength, who needs encouragement, come and do the same. The living water is there for you too. Come and let the Lord make us from the inside out. True worshipers in our heart, in our home, in this church, and in this community. Would you come today?
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for your word, and God, help us to be worshipers of you all times, all places, to give you glory and honor all times, in all things, and through all things, whether we might be true worshipers today and forever. We might teach others what it means to truly worship you. Help us be genuine in our hearts today, God, that we would leave here changed. We would leave here today seeking you in all things. We love you. Thank you. Keep your hands upon us. In Christ's name, amen. Almost forgot. Uh, hymn number 437, Send the Light. 2 Corinthians 4 6 says, God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Send the light. There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless wave. Send the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue there are souls to save send the light send the light send the light the blessed gospel light let it shine from shore to shore send the light the blessed gospel light let it shine 